Hello and welcome to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm your host, Prudence Robertson. Live Action's new North Star. We bring you an interview with president and founder of Live Action, Lila Rose, from the U.S. Capitol. Her group is leading the charge in advocating for a complete ban on abortion at the federal level and moving away from calls for limits on abortion at certain weeks. Lila explains her proposed strategy and path forward. Mississippi's latest moves for life. We speak with Attorney General Lynn Fitch, whose team won the Supreme Court case that overturned Roe v. Wade. She tells us about her state's MAMA program and other initiatives she's been spearheading to save lives. Building bridges. Longtime pro-life strategist Allison Centifonte gives us her take on the greatest threats to our movement and how we can work together to conquer them. She also emphasized the importance of protecting children's innocence in our increasingly volatile culture. To commemorate one year since the overturning of Roe v.ersus Wade, the pro-life group Live Action, in its 20th year of defending life, held a press conference at the U.S. Capitol. Their message to Congress, it's time to enact 14th Amendment protections for children in the womb. Live Action says this is the, quote, new North Star for the pro-life movement. The press conference featured speakers from the pro-life group's Human Coalition, Students for Life, and others, who say it's not enough for abortion to be legislated on the state level alone. We talked to Rose after the press conference. We bring you that interview right now. We're here with Lila Rose, president and founder of Live Action. We just wrapped up the North, the New North Star event. So talk to me about what the New North Star is for the pro-life movement from your perspective, Lila. In the wake of the overruling of Roe v. Wade, which was the most unjust Supreme Court decision in our history, the North Star for the movement is acknowledging equal protection under the law without compromise for all human beings born and preborn. Yes. And this is already promised under our Constitution, under the 14th Amendment, which has an equal protection clause. So already today in America, preborn children have a constitutional right to life, and it is now time for the federal and all state law to reflect that. Right, right. And Lila, we have to be honest, this is kind of a debate. You know, there are some pro-life groups saying that we should be kind of taking a more incremental approach. Live Action is saying that we should be calling for full protection for preborn children. So how have you been viewing that debate as it plays out on Capitol Hill with members of Congress, among leaders in the movement? What's your take? So the large majority of the pro-life movement, leading pro-life groups and legal experts support Live Action's new North Star uh, strategy, saying that absolutely we already have legal protection under the 14th Amendment for preborn children. Of course, the federal and the state government should reflect that. So yes, of course, there is dissent among how that's to be enacted, especially when it comes to political strategies during elections, what candidates should or shouldn't say. But at the end of the day, we need bold and uncompromising leadership in the pro-life movement. This is the most important human rights issue of the day. We're talking about the lives of innocent children. So, and we're talking about basic fundamental, uh, fundamental human rights, constitutional rights. So now's the time for bold vision, uncompromising progress, and we can do that if we keep that North Star of complete legal protection as already promised by our Constitution for all human beings born and preborn. And, pre and we know that changing the laws isn't the only part of this fight. You know, it's about changing the culture, changing the way people think about abortion as well. You recently debated Dr. Phil on this issue. You've been going on more secular podcasts to chat about this with people who are big influences in the culture on social media. So how do you see the debate um, in terms of changing hearts and minds going? Yeah, I think people, deep down, many people are naturally pro-life. There's a natural instinct to protect 
There's an actual instinct that we have towards justice. Yes, murder is always wrong, homicide is always wrong. And so it's really connecting the dots for people that the thing that they've been lied to for decades, that abortion that they've been told is a reproductive right, it's good for women, is actually the direct and intentional killing of a child. And that that child has human rights, like you and me, and that that child deserves protection. When that case is made and those dots are connected for people, when they're presented with a scientific reality of life in the womb, minds change. We see this all the time at live action. And it also is important to cut uh, back or push back against the narrative coming from the pro-abortion side that women are somehow uh, harmed when we abolish abortion. No, abortion has never been about women's rights. Abortion has always been about the about the oppression of preborn children. And we've been lying to women now for decades to say that we've been advanced when we haven't. We, we should pr provide health care for both mother and child and meet the needs of women instead of saying you need to kill your child in order to solve a, a problem or a crisis that you're facing. Let's talk a little bit about what we're up against um, with the White House here. President Biden, he's pushing for extreme policies on abortion. He has been since the overturn of Roe, calling for the codification of Roe. He released an executive order today saying that he's going to expand access to contraception. Talk to me about how that plays into this battle. Well, we are, we are facing the most pro-abortion administration in our history. The president of the United States has said that he wants abortion on demand for any reason. He wants to remove any abortion restriction or regulation. He wants taxpayer funding for abortion. He wants to codify abortion when, in fact, there's a constitutional right to life and a right to equal protection under our laws for all human beings in this country, born and pre-born. And the White House is refusing to acknowledge the scientific reality of when life even begins. And so we have to fight back against the lies coming from this administration, from the radical pro-abortion policies coming from this administration. And in terms of, you know, I don't know if you want me to comment specifically on the contraception. Yes, yeah. I mean, in terms of the, the president pushing for uh, more abortion and more contraception, we know that throwing contraception around is not going to stop the abortion crisis. In fact, 50% of the women who are on the contraception in the month they get pregnant were actually, were actually 50% of women who have abortions were actually on contraception in the month, month that they got pregnant. So we know that abortion doesn't, uh, isn't stopped by contraception. In fact, contraception increases the societal misunderstanding of sex, that somehow sex should be divorced from the ability to bring life and from family and from marriage. The sexual revolution has actually created the abortion problem because we look at sex in the wrong way now and uh, promiscuity and sex without responsibility has led to the abortion rate. So to throw contraception at the problem is actually going to only increase the problem of abortion. And it's no surprise coming from this administration though because they are pro-abortion and they don't, um, they're not fighting for marriage and families. Right, right. Um, just one more question before we wrap up. So, you know, we're, we are here um, celebrating the year anniversary of the overturn of Roe and we're standing right in front of the Capitol where the laws are made on the federal level. So what is your message to lawmakers right now moving forward and what do you hope to see a year from now? The message to lawmakers is this, you have a sacred responsibility and obligation to defend the Constitution and that includes the 14th Amendment, the equal protection for all human beings. So any law that in any way infringes on the rights of our preborn brothers and sisters is an unjust and unconstitutional law. And in fact, you have the responsibility to create law that reflects these constitutional rights, especially where these rights are being violated. And that would be law to protect children from the violence of abortion, not just some children, but all children without compromise. 
heading up the fight for life on the state level is Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch. Many call her the woman who ended Roe. And in many ways, she is just that. It was her team's case, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, that prompted the Supreme Court to consider the constitutionality of Roe versus Wade and eventually conclude that there is no right to abortion in American law. She gave us an update on what the people of her state have been up to since then, including a new project that empowers moms to choose life. I'm here with Attorney General Lynn Fitch from Mississippi. Her uh, case overturned Roe versus Wade. So we're here today at the Lincoln Memorial. Attorney General Fitch, thanks for being with us. Talk to me about what it means to you to be here today. Gosh, what an incredible day today. What a blessed day that God has given us here. Uh, this is a one-year anniversary from the Dobbs decision. Oh, my goodness. I mean, just the incredible things that have happened in the past year after uh, receiving that decision. It's just changed the way history is being made in our country, in our respective states. You know, it's just such an honor to be a part of the team that we uh, championed pro-life, how we've gotten here 50 years, and now we can celebrate the decision of overturning Roe v. Wade. It's a very exciting day. And talk to me a little bit about what this year has been like for you in the state of Mississippi. You guys pretty much banned abortion the day that Roe was overturned. You started that process. So talk to me about the ways that you've empowered women to choose life since then. Well, it was a very quick turnaround. We immediately jumped right back in, fought those last legal battles, and then immediately started to work on next steps. You know, because we asked the justices for the job. We told them the American people are ready, and we truly are. So now in that regard, we have to have an action plan. So in Mississippi, we truly engaged. So as soon as the decision came down, we started working on our plan. We call it the Empowerment Project. Uh, not just only for our state, but we hope other states will adopt it too, because that's truly how we change the hearts and minds of our fellow Americans. So we're doing a lot of exciting things. There are many pillars in the Empowerment Project. One is to have affordable, accessible, quality childcare. It is so important to have that in our state, in our country. It shouldn't cost more to send children to daycare than it does to send them to a fine college or university. We've got to promote workplace flexibility. We've got to have the options for young mothers, young women in the workforce, because we don't want to lose them. We want them to continue to be a part of the tapestry of the workforce. Certainly, we've got to enforce child support. It's important that the fathers primarily pay their dollars for their children to empower their children. Again, that's a, a game changer. Um, we've got to certainly provide resources to our pregnancy centers, to our young mothers, our mothers, young mothers-to-be, and upskill them, give them education, provide them the tools for their next steps. And then lastly, we've got to fix the broken adoption and foster care systems. We've got to get these children into forever homes as quickly as possible. Yes, yes. And speaking of other states and encouraging other states to take action, you are hosting an interstate donation drive. Talk to me about that. Well, it's exciting. Again, as we saw the anniversary getting here and now it's here, yes. how could we honor these pregnancy centers as continued partnerships? What could we do together? So we have a nationwide uh, drive going on for our pregnancy centers. So you can go online as many partners. We have our, um, our Susan B. Anthony, Heartbeat International. I've got eight of my colleague friends, attorneys general that are participating. We're asking you to go on, pick your favorite uh, pregnancy resource center, donate. So they've got their list of what they'd like to have. You know, there are 3,000 centers across our country. We've got to support them in any possible way that we possibly can give them the uplifting to do just that. Of course. And A.G. Fitch, talk to me a little bit about tonight's gala. Well, you'll, you'll be honoring Congresswoman Jackie Walorski for her pro-life work. 
Uh, oh, it's such an incredible night. Congresswoman Dolores, you did a fantastic job. What a champion for pro-life. So for us to be able to honor her, to talk about her great works, what she did, we certainly miss her, and she was such a, a true, true believer in the pro-life movement and truly was there empowering women as well. Yes, yes. And one final question before I let you go and give, I'm sure, what will be a remarkable speech. Um, talk to me a little bit about your message to attorneys general across the country and state legislators. You know, you have been so bold in standing up for the unborn, taking this case to our highest court. So what's your message to them? Well, we have to continue to work together. We've been given this incredible opportunity to empower women and to promote life. So it's an action plan. What will we do? As I said, we've got the empowerment project. So in our state alone, we've already worked so well with our legislature. I'm so grateful for the work that they've done. They passed a number of tax credits this year for child care, for adoption, for our pregnancy resource centers, which is just amazing. We have been able to streamline the process to get those children into their forever homes. You know, again, thriving, loving families instead of taking such a long time to get there. We've been engaged in a full year of postpartum uh, for our mothers. Again, important to lift them up in that regard. We actually were able to create the MAMA program this year, which I, one of my particular favorites, uh, Mississippi uh, Access to Maternal Assistance MAMA program, so that young mothers, young mothers-to-be can click online. It's going to be a website and an app, and they can find all the public private resources right there available to them in their particular county. So you can move right forward to finding those resources that will help them in their next steps. I love that name, MAMA program. It's so fitting. Well, Attorney General, thank you so much for talking to us today. Thank you. It was an honor to speak with you, and congratulations again on this momentous anniversary. Thank you. What an incredible day for all of us in our country. Thank you. Mississippi is not the only state where lawmakers are working for moms and babies. According to a new report, Republican lawmakers in at least eight states have voted to expand postpartum care for mothers on Medicaid. Mississippi, along with Texas, Montana, and others, voted to allow women to keep receiving benefits for a full year after birth, instead of the 60 days required by federal law. These states join 35 other states that already allow extended coverage. Medicaid finances a little over a third of U.S. births. And some other state news. On July 1st, North Carolina's 12-week abortion limit went into effect. The state previously protected children at 20 weeks gestation. The new law is consistent with evidence that shows babies can feel pain as early as 12 weeks. Florida's heartbeat law, which also was supposed to go into effect this month, remains in limbo as debates on abortion continue at the state's Supreme Court. And last Friday, Indiana's Supreme Court affirmed the state's near-total abortion ban after some pro-abortion advocates argued it violated the state's constitution. It is unclear when this pro-life law will go into effect, but when it does, it will shut down all seven abortion clinics in the state. And on Capitol Hill, U.S. bishops rebuke more than 30 self-proclaimed Catholic lawmakers for a recent statement on abortion. As Pro-Life Weekly reported last week, Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro led a cohort of 30 self-proclaimed Catholic members of Congress in writing a letter promoting abortion, saying it's their duty to do so as Catholics. Leaders of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops issued a corrective statement saying these lawmakers have grievously distorted church teaching on abortion. The bishop's statement reads in part, it is wrong and incoherent to claim that the taking of innocent human life at its most vulnerable stage can ever be consistent with the values of supporting the dignity and well-being of those in need. Coming up, Planned Parenthood sows lies, saying virginity is merely a, quote, social construct. I speak out next. 
And I speak with pro-life strategist Allison Centifonte on the biggest challenges for the pro-life movement, how pro-lifers can work together and play to their strengths as we build a culture of life. You're watching EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Welcome back to the show. We know that since the beginning of time, a virgin has been defined as a woman who has not had sexual relations with a man. But Planned Parenthood is trying to rewrite history and erase that term, calling it outdated. That is this week's Speak Out segment. It's no surprise that Planned Parenthood, the leading global provider of contraceptives and abortion, wants people to engage in sexual activity. In a recent post, they even claim that virginity does not exist. The post is a picture of a billboard that reads, virginity is a social construct. The image's caption reads, quote, the idea of virginity comes from outdated, let's be real, patriarchal ways of thinking that hurt everyone. On Twitter, the post received over 3 million impressions. This message is harmful. It's billboards like this, combined with what young children are seeing on TikTok and other social media apps, that deprive them of innocence. The people they look up to begin to sexualize them before these kids even realize what that means. For example, young preteen girls who marched in Washington, D.C.'s 4th of July parade just a few days ago were twerking and dancing in other provocative ways because that's what their dance teachers instructed them to do. Human sexuality is a God-given gift, and a woman's purity is something to be guarded, not thrown away for money, power, and control. Virginity doesn't hurt women, but encouraging them to lead promiscuous lives and resort to trauma-inducing abortions is proven to do irreparable harm. And what about our blessed mother? Her virginity hurt no one, but instead provided salvation for the world by allowing God to enter the world through her faithful yes. Moral of the story, guard the young people in your life who are precious to you. There are threats to their innocence in every corner. Continuing our look at the cultural fight over abortion, the pro-life movement faces numerous challenges as it presses on in the new Dobbs era. What do grassroots efforts for life look like now? And how can pro-lifers mobilize to protect babies and support abortion-vulnerable mothers? I recently spoke to Allison Centifonte on the biggest challenges and opportunities ahead of us. We are joined now by Allison Centifonte of Centifonte Strategies. Allison, thanks for joining me. Over the past few weeks, we've been celebrating the one-year anniversary of the Dobbs decision, which overturned Roe versus Wade, as you know very well. We've been speaking with the heads of leading pro-life groups to get their take on really what comes next for our movement. And I want to start off just by asking you, what do you think is our greatest threat right now as we continue to work to stop abortions? Great question, Prudence, and thanks for covering this. I think it's twofold. Obviously, the biggest threat to the pro-life movement and our progress is going to be those who want to codify abortion into law, who are going to take every, every avenue that they can to bring Roe v. Wade ideology back. Uh, but I think the second is us forgetting who the true enemy is, uh, that the enemy is those who want to advance abortion and a culture of death. I think that one of the greatest threats to the pro-life movement is leaders attacking leaders. Um, I've seen a lot of public disagreements that uh, should really be private strategy sessions of figuring out how we can unite and really confront the enemy that we should be fighting, which is not each other. We should be fighting big abortion 
together. And so I think that's a big threat is us getting distracted and using our energy against each other and each other's strategies instead of just really getting to work against the great enemy that we're facing in today's culture. Mm, Allison, you bring up a really good point. And so my next question is, how do we conquer these threats? You know, what's what's stopping us from kind of working together, sussing out those those difficult strategy questions and um, really just marching forward to make abortion unthinkable and, and fight big, big abortion, as you say. Yeah. One is applauding leadership. Senator Lindsey Graham, um, Family Research Council, family leader, put out this statement with SBA list saying, look, don't come to Iowa if you don't have a plan on how you're going to be pro-life. And I love that. That's leadership. We need to applaud those who are doing the right thing and proposing innovative and new solutions that help us to save lives and support pregnant women. Um, I think also a way that we need to fight the enemy is that we each find the avenue that we are best at. So where can your time and talent be spent most wisely? So maybe you would never go door knock for a pro-life candidate, or maybe you're really not into politics, but you would absolutely go and pray outside and out of an abortion center and pray for the women and offer help. Maybe that's your thing. Or maybe that would be intimidating and you'd rather maybe more introverted write a you know letter to your administration and say, look, we need to support pregnant women on campus. What are we doing? Let's sit down, let's form a committee and figure it out and come up with solutions. So I think it's just finding out what you're best at and using your time and talent to save as many lives as you can. Yeah, and that's what I think is so beautiful and wonderful about Roe versus Wade being overturned is that it's allowed us to explore all the different innovative ways that we can be involved in the pro-life movement. Advocacy and one-on-one -on -one conversations are absolutely one of the hugest parts of this battle right now. So I'm curious what projects you're working on in that vein. I know that I'll be seeing you at the Sidewalk Advocates for Life conference this coming fall, and their theme is the sidewalk is everywhere. Let's talk about that a bit. Yeah, I'm so excited. So the Sidewalk Advocates for Life group, which does a lot of this outreach at abortion facilities, is hosting its once a year mega training conference in Dallas, October 6th through 8th. And I'm helping them plan this. Um, amazing speakers, amazing encouragement, and just a time for us all to get that training that I talked about to train on how we can approach not only the sidewalk outside of the abortion facility, but our own sidewalks in our communities, in schools, um, with the way the abortion industry is moving and the fact that the abortion pill can be obtained so easily. We are all advocates. We can all be interacting with people who are considering ending their pregnancy, um, are getting access to these drugs. And so we are so excited and would love for people listening to get a ticket today Prices are the lowest now that they'll ever be to the Sidewalk Advocates for Life conference. I know you'll be down there, Prudence, talking about messaging. I'll be there. And you can meet some amazing, amazing speakers. Allie Beth Stuckey is our keynote. We just invited the Attorney General, Lynn Fitch of Mississippi, and great leaders of organizations just telling you what you need to know so you can be successful in your community, in your family, in your pro-life work. Well, that's great. And yes, I am so excited to be there and to see you there with lots of other pro-life uh, activists. Allison, we have one more minute. And before I let you go, shifting gears a bit, I want to ask you one more thing. You talk a lot on social media about protecting the innocence of children as really key in shifting our culture. So talk to me about that. What's your advice to people who live in towns that host drag story hours or clothing optional water parties? You know, I'm not making this stuff up. Hmm. 
Yeah, what we're seeing right now is an attack on innocence that we've never seen. And since becoming a mom, I've just realized that there's really a preciousness to which we see our babies just encounter the world. It's the first time I get to see another new, first time they see a school bus, first time they see flowers, and they're learning these things. And I just want to encourage all parents to protect that innocence. And not just parents, aunts, uncles, sisters, friends, grandparents. I just think part of our cultural moment in doing good and fighting for justice is fighting the bad guys, yes, that are out there, the bad entities, corrupt organizations, bad leaders who want to do bad things to our children, uh, but also protecting their innocence, doing justice to their childhood by protecting them from that mm -hmm. and doing all we can to make sure they do have a sweet childhood. Uh, as we all know, that really matters so much in development. And so that's a both and fight the bad guys but also protect the innocence at home. And yes, the, the enemy is out there, but it's also in your home, through your phone, through the music, through the messages that they're hearing. So just to be very aware and protect that innocence. Mm, a beautiful mission. Allison, thank you as always for joining us and thanks for speaking out on all of these important things. Thanks for having me. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Don't forget you can find us at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. Or send us a message by emailing prolifeweekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.